Hey everyone, welcome back to the Breaking Apart podcast. This is Sheena McCall, your co-host. And this is Harry, the other co-host. <laughs> so today's topic, we're going to be talking about relationships and marriage and changing the narrative. Um, as most of you know, well, if you guys don't know, me and Harry, we met online we met on a dating app called OkCupid, and we met in 2015. I think I was on the app for maybe about two years. Yeah, I'd been poking around there for about a year and kind of striking out. It wasn't really a great experience, and I think we were both about to actually give up yeah. the whole online thing and sort of as a last uh, chance you know it was like one night i think i was scrolling through and we had matched because we both had swiped uh what is it right or left we swiped right yeah right we both so okay cupid also had a feature similar to tinder at the time which i had heard about because tinder was all swiping and uh, okay cupid also had this like match system where you know you'd get alerted if you know you, were- you and another person had swiped Right so you would other. get matched by entering like these personality questions. Yeah, that's what it was. And you would get like seventy percent match, ninety percent match. Um, but because it was my last like round round to go on this, I had specifically say paid for a feature on this app where I could do private browsing. Yeah. And I could just view other people's um, profiles and they wouldn't be alerted. Yeah, I wasn't paying any money for that, <laughs> for that shit. I, you know, not that I didn't see the feature on it, but I felt, hey, look, if you see me visiting your page, then, you know, that's just putting it out there that I was looking. Right. Well, but for I, dudes, it was different because a dude right. is like, yo, let me just put it out there. And then the woman sees it. But for ladies, you guys got to be safer, I think, when you're, you know, perusing who might be contacting you. Well, again, it was a bit different for me. If I even visited someone's profile, yeah. they would then, like, hit me up. Oh, you interested? Right. You you smoke? You uh, drink? Like, you want to meet up? Or I get a dick pic? Or dick what? pic on so it was standby. Like, yeah. yeah. And it was just a bit... Uh, so I specifically paid for that feature and I was poking around your profile, but then I saw you were poking around mines mm-hmm. and then we matched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, hmm, you know, and then you sent me a message. Yes. And you know, what had struck me about your profile was the one, the amount of detail and You know, you were very forthcoming. You weren't pulling any punches, um, which I appreciated. A lot of the profiles, you know, as a guy looking at some of these profiles back then, it was, a lot of it was just very superficial, not a lot of detail. It was the typical, oh, I like dogs and hikes and traveling and blah, blah, blah. And I don't remember what my, what my bio said. I'm sure we have screenshots of it somewhere, (laughs) but what, what uh, captured me was, you had said that you were demisexual, and I never mm. heard of that. So, piqued my interest. I said, "Well, this might be a good conversation starter." And at the time, I wasn't sure what was going to come of it. And um, 
So I, I, sh I sent the first message asking you, so like, what does this mean? And at first, you know, me being a dumbass, I was like, is she into like guys and girls and other stuff? Or is it like, you know, cause I didn't Google anything. Cause I just, you know, again, it also gives me a chance to learn more about you as to how you respond um, right. instead of me doing all this research prior. And uh, that opened up a very spirited conversation. And, uh, it did. Our first conversation was very, like, shit. Yeah, it was very loaded. Um, I think within two days we had our first argument, too. Correct. <laughs> I wouldn't call it. It was more just a disagreement. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think what I saw through that was that, you know, she had her own opinions and... I like that about her. She wasn't conforming to me or to anyone else or, you know, which I didn't want. Aww, um, you're so cute. And, um, yeah, you know, she just struck me as different. And I, I love that about her, you know, right off the bat. And, you know, there was a lot of, you know, she did break down for me what a demisexual was. First of all, that was the initial conversation, which was really eye opening. And, um, you know, I wasn't aware that that was a, a thing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, she, she was very open to enlightening me on a lot of topics that I hadn't really been exposed to yet. I think around that time, I was like seesawing between either moving down to Florida. Right. And whether or not I should stay up here. Yeah. And I think like two days before I had like broken down in like my car, crying, getting out of work. And I was just like praying. Like I don't know what to do. Because me and my mom had touched broached the topic and she was encouraging me like maybe florida something good for you and it was either i bring mj with me right and sorry not to like backtrack but it's important to mention that you were a single mother as well yeah. at the time which right. you know just to uh, like step back a second but that also i think um accelerated our conversations mm -hmm. where there wasn't a lot of filler and bullshit you were pretty straightforward with, with what you wanted to get across and even in your profile you were kind of saying look you're not here for games yeah you know and not that like you were on a clock but you've already been there and done that and i really appreciated that fact that there wasn't going to be this you know like dancing around the rim and doing all this bs that i mean look let's face it no one wants to deal with that's why as we say now, like oh, it's up to each other when we see how the dating landscape is now, we're so glad we're not dating anymore. Yeah, I'm glad we're out of the dating pool. But um, yeah, sorry not to <laughs> pop in there, but uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, thank you for that. Um, so yeah, I was a single mom. Um, MJ around the time was four, and the topic for me with the difficulty was. Whether or not MJ would come down with me to Florida, but that would make the move 10 times more harder. Or I would leave MJ up here with my mom and um, my dad, 
and I would have to go down there by myself and get myself situated down there. And that's something that I was just, I'd never been away from MJ for that long. Yeah, and you're taking a massive risk too. You know, you don't know what's waiting for you down right. there. Right. So I remember just praying and crying that night. Like I needed a sign, something for me to stay here. And then, boom, like two <laughs> days later, you and I had this conversation. I was just like, and I didn't put any faith in it. I'm, I'm not going to like BS you. I didn't put no. any faith in it. I was just like, let's see where it goes. Yeah, and you know, I, you know, we kind of started talking. We exchanged numbers, mm-hmm. you know, shortly like after. two weeks later. Yeah, about, you know, yeah, it took a little bit. I, um, <laughs> I kind of had convinced you to finally get an iPhone because uh, you did. <laughs> I wanted to FaceTime you. You were I was, giving me a lot of shit about it too. Yeah, because I was like, who the fuck has an Android? Oh Sorry, any of our Android <laughs> listeners out there, but at the time, bro, Android was whack. But anyway, we're talking about like again, six years ago. Six, yeah. five, five to six years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, things like, you know, kept progressing. And um, I had a, uh, a planned uh, trip down to D.C. to visit some friends of mine. Mm. And, you know, we kind of, and I knew that she was, like, waiting for me to ask her, like, to just, like, ask her out, you know, so we can actually meet in person. But I wanted to be respectful to her, you know, her pace and not be, you know, pushy or, you know, come off as being a dick. Um, but it took a little bit. And, uh, I think we were on a date, like, within a month. Yeah, it was literally about a month of the day, um, August 8th of that year. Mm-hmm. And it was the week after my trip to DC and, you know, we were now like exchanging pictures and, you know, having FaceTime sessions back and forth. And it was nice to kind of like, you know, get to know you through that, which I thought was one of the I nice things. I think that's things. like what helped progress our relationship too. Yeah, because we felt like we'd already known each other before we met. And no, but a lot of our relationship was also like on the phone. Yeah. Texting. A lot. Uh, face video. Uh, video. Most of our relationship was just videos and on the phone. Yeah, and I think, I mean, again, it was comfortable for me, and I think it also gave you a chance to to see that I wasn't, you know, trying to catfish anybody and vice versa. I think that's, some, you know, one of the you know, saving graces that no one really talks about with online dating. Because there is a, st- and again, I kind of moving into, you know, like our conversation tonight is, you know, kind of the stigma when it came to online dating. I was ashamed. I'm going to be honest. I was kind of like, I remember asking you mm-hmm. um, when we started like introducing ourselves to each other's friends, like when we were texting you, like, okay, what's our story? Yeah. And you were like, well, let's just tell people like we met online. And I'm like, you're right. Like I need to mm-hmm. get my mind out of that. Yeah, there was no shame in our game. I mean, I, I felt, hey, listen, if you're not using the technology, to me, you're just being an idiot. I mean, mm. I, because I had so many friends of mine that would just go out, you know, get dressed up, go to the bar, club, and think you're just going to meet, you know, the future Mrs. Whatever their name is. And that's another topic we're going to get into as well, as far as, you know, last names. Yeah. But I, but I always thought that it was, you know, why not? you know, play the, the, the odds and use the, like, you know, analytics and kind of the statistics that are available. Now, again, I work in it. Uh, so anything that does kind of allow us to aggregate data and use it to our advantage, I see, you know, why not? I mean, that's just my opinion of it. So I wasn't ashamed of it. Um, but again, uh, given our backgrounds, you know, and our parents and 
our cultural backgrounds. Yeah. It was kind of looked at as like. That's taboo. Yeah, taboo kind of looked like it was, oh, this is just like Tinder. This is, and it was like, nah. No, but it was also yeah. kind of this, well, again, you know how Latinos are. Like the stigma for women is like, well, how many men are you meeting on here? Correct. And. And that's kind of like what the stigma I had to deal with when I said, when I told my mom. Yeah. And yeah, me kind of moving into our, our, as far as our, our next topic goes and our parents and how they met. Well, also how they met and how their relationships kind of informed and helped us avoid certain things. Yeah. I guess what we didn't want the repeat the cycle that our parents. Yeah. And it's not to say, you know, that like, you know, my case, you know, my parents are, like I said, they're still together. Um, after 36 something years and uh but you know they have their issues you know even to this day you know now it's like down to just like the bickersons you know it's constant um kind of feeling of almost this little like you know interlocking battle they have every day with each other um and you know i i grew up kind of seeing my mother you know in this like role of almost like servitude to my dad and, you know, she was raised again. She was born in Peru. She had to become a single mother at an early age to oh, yeah, three. They were born in nothing, though. Yeah, correct. I mean, it was all about just, just like work and suffering for her. And that was just the role that, that women in Peru at the time had right. to assume. You were, you know, the mule. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my mother even called herself that like multiple times when I was growing up. When she'd have to work all day, come oh, home, yeah. cook, clean do laundry and then my dad was just you know again he did some things around the house but he was used to just sitting down at the table and expecting a meal to be on there and you're not really like helping out with the other household duties um and that really like got to me at an early age and informed me that i didn't want to be like that because i saw how much my mother struggled and the frustration she had i didn't want to cause that to any partner i was going to have in the future and then from an early age, I said to myself, I wasn't going to be like my father in some ways. And, you know, how he treated their marriage is one way I didn't want to be like him. And, um, and that's kind of informed, you know, a lot of the decisions I make now as far as our marriage. And and um, knowing that, you know, the roles that we've been taught to kind of assume about a husband and wife, it's very fluid. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that it... We don't have gender roles, I think, in our relationship. Yeah, no, I mean, I... In regards to, like, who does what? Yeah. Correct. Um, like, I think that's yeah. what it means. Like, you cook. If you cook, I'll clean. Yeah. If you do laundry, I'll fold. Yeah, it's... If you had Ayana in the morning, I'll let you chill at night. Yeah, it's a back and forth, and I, I think and that... I think most of our disagreements is, you literally, you're doing too much. Yes, we have this conversation many <laughs> times is, well, okay, you're, you know, you tell me all, all, all the time to just like, like take a break. And I try to do more so that you can like take a break at night or in the morning. So you're not having to deal with things. And, um, you know, we've found a decent balance, I think, yeah. um, you know, some days, uh, like you, one of us just like takes up for the other one without, you know, needing to ask and we just kind of feel the vibe or, you know, if you're having a tough day mm. or if I'm having a tough day, you kind of 
know like intuitively to just step in and just kind of take over or something that I would normally do mm-hmm. or or vice versa you know mm-hmm. and you know I kind of like it you know we don't have any you know no one's keeping track no. um and because they're gonna be honest like I have endometriosis and I have adenomyosis and my cycles when it's that time of the month is severe. Yeah. And when it comes for like two weeks at a time out of, of, out of the month, sometimes I'm in severe pain. I can't move. Um, or I'm just like extremely bloated and extremely painful around my abdomen my mood is like crap and along with dealing with the physical symptoms you're bleeding like right. and it's like heavy non-stop bleeding right and i always ask you know what can i do and you're like there's nothing to do like yeah yeah uh, you know i mean and also i know that the toll it takes on you as far as an energy perspective and physically draining how mm-hmm. it is when you have you know because again some months it is worse than other months mm-hmm. and you know I try my best to like, you know, keep you comfortable, like when yeah. that happens and try to help you out because, you, you know, as men look, if, if a man bled out of his dick for <laughs> seven to 10 days out of the month and had all the other symptoms, we'd be the biggest fucking crybabies on the face of the earth. And I'm saying this as a man, again, I consider myself to be a very masculine man. <laughs> I know I wouldn't be able to handle what women go through on a monthly basis for a large part of their lives. I kind of want to give you like a cramp simulator now. Cramp simulators, the bloating, the bleeding, like the things you have to do, the caring, you know, for your area <laughs> as well. Um, I just couldn't fucking do it, bro. Like I'm, I mean, again, and I, you know, again, women, and again, after having gone through, the birth of our daughter as well and you know being there holding your hand and you know seeing her come out in the strength that you had to put up with three days in labor i look i'll say this you know i'll say this morning night day and evening women are stronger than men in many ways <laughs> and they have the capacity and the threshold for pain that and endurance that you know men just don't seem to have in that capacity yeah you know dudes i think what i what i think well i don't want to like take away from i think what men have in regards to like physical strength sure ancestors mm-hmm. they went out they hunted yeah but again we go back to the gender the gender was like a threshold of patience and to withhold and to deal with everything else i think that's what definitely women have in regards to that yeah and i feel that you know right and correct i'm not saying that men are like inferior species but i do uh, you know we do have our strengths in many ways as well um uh like you know physically as far as you know what genetics have kind of you know deemed you know the male species or, or like specimen to be able to to handle um, you know, for sure, there are plenty of men out there with, you know, high thresholds for pain and endurance and for these things. But women, you know, the fact that a lot of times it's just so like instinctively just like kicks on and it's like instantaneously available. 
And that was a thing that I, that like forever changed me, you know, and just kind of, you know, one made me appreciate the struggle even more that women go through, um, mm. you know, just like day in and day out. And aside from that, it's also, and I kind of getting back to like the dating and relationship side, the norms that women have had to be constricted Deal to, with. right. And kind of put into this box over the years. And look, it's only when you look at the history of. So like what's out of the norm for us is like, we got married. I didn't take your last name. Correct. And I didn't want you to either. And when we speak about that, like it kind of pisses me off that people assume yeah. I have your last name. And I'll, we'll mm-hmm. get letters, we'll get cards, we'll get Christmas yeah. cards, and it'll be Mr. and Mrs. Ramnath. And I'm like, it com- for me, it feels like it completely, it's a complete erasure of who I am as a person and my identity. Yeah. And I think. You know, I never like that aspect of of the marriage construct in this country. Anyway. Not even in like Latino, like it wasn't until maybe two years or three years ago I f- ended up finding out like when you hear the last names of like De La Cruz, mm-hmm. the like when it starts with De something, yeah, it's because let's say it's Maria De La Cruz, it's Maria whom belongs to the man named last name Cruz. Yeah. And it's like very like misogynistic. It's so like ill. It's what we've grown to just accept. And, and the name has just carried on. Correct. And I, yeah. And look, I, you know, I don't put much, um, importance on yeah, names yeah. and, and, you know, titles and, you know, things like that. But again, you know, I think compared to what, you know, we've been kind of grown to accept is things that we should ask ourselves and, you know, society should ask themselves, you know, should this continue? Is this something that, you know, is really of any benefit to anybody? Um, you know, I, I never once wanted to, you know, um, like overtake anything about your identity mm. or impose my identity onto you. I didn't ask you to change for me. Mm. You are the same person. Right with what you like, what you don't like. Um, and I, and again, you just saying to me, you never once asked me to conform to anything that you wanted to see me do or to like now like a certain thing or dislike a certain thing. You know, we both have our, our differences of opinion on some things. We both like different things, but we do share in those things sometimes mm-hmm. too. And it is eye opening. There's things that you've introduced me to and I'm like, Oh crap. Yeah. And, and again, uh, like vice versa, you know, you've also put me onto a lot of things, whether it was, um, um, like anything with like entertainment or even like how to think it and, and like how to look at things, uh, through a different perspective, mm-hmm. um, that I didn't maybe see before and, you know, hearing your stories and you hearing my stories and us kind of sharing that as well is an awesome, you know, knowledge transfer. I think that's something that I definitely think that you seeing your parents in their marriage helped mold and what you didn't want to repeat. And it's not to say that your parents like didn't raise you right. Like, no, like Mm -hmm. they, they gave you a great childhood. Correct. I can't complain about any of that at all. You know, they worked their butts off, Mm -hmm. but 
there are some traumatic cycles that our parents continue and continue to perpetuate um, because they don't know any different. Yeah. So, you know, my I come from a complete different, you know, background. I come from a single parent household and my mom struggled to raise us. It was four kids. I was raising the projects of Queens for Rockaway, New York. Um, my mom tried to make her marriage work. And my dad was just, I'm sorry, she was, he's a shitty father. And he was a shitty partner. He gave my mom, you know, STDs. You know, um, he had women... The his mistresses were calling my mom, yeah. and a lot of that for me was just like, why? And going to therapy this year allowed me to ask her those questions, like, why did you continue? And she told me like, when I brought it to my grandfather, whom I admire, she's like, when I went to your to my to her dad, which is my grandfather, he said, you know, you just have to deal with it. But because you have to keep your family together, this is just what you have to do. Right. And you turn you turn a blind eye to it, and this is just the norm. And I looked at her, and I'm like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. And it was just the norm. You knew, the woman knew, and that was it. It's, it's, it. It's the long suffering mentality that right. a lot of, um, you know, other cultures, especially like, you know, um, Latino culture as well, you know, look and, and, and just for context, you know, my mother is Peruvian. Mm-hmm. My father is from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, I like the West Indies, um, you know, Sheena's parents, um, also again, like full Latino, um, on her side, but again, both cultures, and especially in in my father's side, where you know the women kind of had their place in the household and what they were supposed to be doing, you know. And it's not until like you know now, like recent years, that especially in Trinidad, I've seen it from like my cousins down there and 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 uh, from family I have that the role has has kind of started to balance out a little bit with what women are putting up with and what they're not anymore. Mm. And I love to see that. Um, but for a lot of families out there, there's still this kind of norm and, well, it's just the way it is. You know, Miha, yeah, you know, you just kind of have to deal with it, you know. And, well, you have kids, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to leave him? And, yeah. not, you know, there's like shaming because you want to change or like you want to better yourself and you or, get shamed for Or just for that. shaming because she kind of wants to be happy. Which is right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, happiness. Like she's not worthy of it. Right, right. Happiness has become a uh, a luxury that we're not right. afforded. And just ridiculous. So right, that molded definitely molded my 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 view on everything in regards to. I definitely don't ever want to deal with this shit ever. But then when you perpetrate the same cycles, my first real relationship Mm. was an abusive relationship. Right. And which is whom is the father of MJ. Right. And I dealt with emotional and verbal abuse 
from that and it's like until you finally decide to just leave mm-hmm. you are like okay and then even healing from that is even yeah. work in itself and then i think i was single for like a good five to six years until i met you yeah and you know look you know you've told me you know kind of the history there and you know to this day i still you know like it's it's at this point i think like it's molded me yeah i mean it has i'm not saying that i was you know deserving of it but it's molded me who i am and it's something that i think i can use to teach our daughter that's for sure like you don't ever have to put up with shit because you have mom and dad it's kind of what i felt like I felt like I had to put up with it because I didn't have someone that I could rely on. Yeah. And again, you felt you were on your own and right. You know, here you are now a single mother and having to now fend for yourself and a child. Right. And it, yeah, it's a scary proposition to find yourself in, especially in a big city in New York. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you're, you're still, you know, young at this point as well in time. And yeah, you know, having to make these decisions that, you know, were kind of just hoisted upon you because of it. It just wasn't happy anymore. Right. And, and I just said it like, uh, until when? Like, am I not worthy of that happiness any anymore? Yeah. And it's either the cycle will continue continue, or... Or, or I said, am I going to be the one to break the cycle? Yeah. And I, like I told you, I made it my life's purpose for that to be my purpose. And here we are present day and a whole house, two kids, a dog, a dog (laughs) and six years together. Yeah. And I, you know, it's not to say that like we have it all figured out and, you know, it, it is like every day, a learning process. Yeah. Marriage ain't for the week, bro. No, and it's not that like like we have like problems or issues, but it's like the external factors that life throws at you, whether yeah. it's family, family, kids, school, your job, you know, there are a lot of external stressors that I think have impacted a lot of relationships. And, you know, the one thing I will say about us is that, you know, from the beginning and from like very early on, you know, you and I have have gone through like some very interesting situations that I think helped mold and kind of like, you know, like tested us as far as our resolve for each other. And it's not to say that that's what you want to look for (laughs) because, you know, um, like, and, but the honeymoon, the honeymoon phase doesn't always last for sure. And I think that's the thing that, and I think what I also wanted to talk about is I kind of, because I didn't have a good role model of what, a positive healthy relationship was I kind of had a skewed view of what love was so I thought that marriage was supposed to be like in the movies you're constantly always in that honeymoon phase you're supposed to always feel madly in love with your partner all the time (laughs) and shit like you get married and you're like and you start to wonder like is this what my life is going to be and well that honeymoon phase is fading now like do i no longer love my partner 
you know, is this something that is normal? Like, like you're trying to like fight yourself in your head and you're like, well, no, like you love your partner. You know, this is the person you decide to spend your life with. And there is no such thing as like high on love all the time. No. no, you you find yourself like falling maybe in love again every day over through actions. Appreciation. Appreciation of your partner. Of your partner. Like, oh shit, like, yeah. like this, if I would have picked anyone else, I wouldn't have this. And aside from that, I think what the main thing is from what made for me was I didn't have to sacrifice any part of myself to be with you. Our relationship was never based on ownership. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I needed to hide anything. Correct. And I think that's what the main issue with relationship nowadays is, is like most partners will feel like they own their significant other and they're entitled to you need to tell me where you're at. You need to tell me who you're with. You can't have this type of friends. You can't hang out with this person. Like, who are you to come in and, like, dictate this entire person's life now just because you're with them? Yeah, and I think this is something that afflicts, you know, both men and women um, in a relationship. Right, that's why I said, like, you I, know, I said partners. It, right, correct. And and I I think, you know, that is one one aspect that I wanted to avoid as well was like falling into you know any type of thought patterns that made me think that well you know she's my girlfriend now or my wife now so she's got to do things a certain type of way like i am i am no one to tell someone else what to do um or what to think or what to say or don't talk to this person um i would never once kind of um you know think that that was okay to assume that that was the way it was supposed to be in a relationship right then yeah like i said the main thing was always me being able to still have my friends and hang out with other guys and i would be like are you okay if i hang you're like yeah go and i'm like because I, again my history was my past history was abusive that's another thing that i got like having to unlearn that toxic behavior also yeah because shit let's like i I don't go through your phone no. you don't go through mine no um well if i do get hit on i fucking tell you and we kind of like laugh about it yeah i think you know i'm i am i don't you know as far as like you know i don't really have any type of jealousy in me at all for i think sometimes you kind of like are you sure like you're okay with <laughs> Like me being friends right. with a guy. I'm like, you know, again, I don't, you are with me because you choose to be with me. Right. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that is that it's, it's not this like, Hey, like you're signing this contract. You can't talk to no other man. You can't uh, like go see someone else without telling me, you know, there, the, the, that in lies the issue when you don't have trust with your partner. And I right. trust my partner. I trust Sheena. Um, I know if she's not happy with me, she's going to tell me she's not going to go out behind my back and try to find happiness somewhere else. No. And, you know, I, I think that that's very empowering to her to not feel like she has to like tippy toe around 
hey, well, you know, I have this, uh, like, like this friend and like, you wanted me, you know, this happened, what, I think it was in 2019 before the pandemic that, um, a friend of yours invited you out to like go to a concert. Yeah. Um, and I was like, go, I was like, you know, go like, you know, don't like, I think, I think you should still be able to maintain those relationships. Um, and not feel like you're like like I said cut I, off. I didn't have to sacrifice any part of who I was. And you not be offended by it. No. But like I said, even if I didn't ask you and I just went, it's still common courtesy. Of course. And I think we do have that. You know, I I don't really say, Hey, I'm going out with so-and-so tonight. Like I, I don't do that, you know, because one, again, when you have kids, yeah, your time and schedule is going to be a lot different. Mm -hmm. Um, but even, you know, uh, if there were no kids involved, I would still want to respect and honor your time. Cause again, people need downtime sometimes and mm -hmm. people sometimes need alone time and a, a kind of headspace to, you know, reflect or think or whatever they need to do to process that. Um, like, and again, as far as the mental health aspect of it, a relationship requires a mental health refresh Yeah. to kind of just center yourself to look at things that maybe you want to be doing differently or better in your relationship. And a lot of couples don't give themselves a chance to do that. Um, I think for a while, like we were having some issues, you know, we didn't go out. I was losing myself in like the mom role. And, and look, let's be honest, this, this, you know, the past, you know, almost two years with yeah. COVID, um, yeah. you know, had, you know, was a stress on a lot of relationships. You know, we ourselves, you know, know people who have, you know, who have like either been on the rocks now with their relationship because of COVID or something related to COVID or they are, you know, they broke up and, um, that it's, it's very sad and, yeah, I think, you know, we were able to manage it pretty well because we kind of just stuck to our guns as far as what, you know, like sharing the load as far mm -hmm. as being home and, you know, dealing with working from home and with the kids and, um, and, you know, with MJ's, you know, uh, like remote learning and, uh, you know, we made it out pretty well, I think, I, you know, compared to, you know, I think we had the opportunity to use the pandemic to our advantage. Yeah. To our advantage. We also like, you know, you grew your business um a lot um yeah. and you know i was able to kind of just reprioritize work in my head as well and mm. and kind of i think what we needed to focus more on was time management that for sure is a big one and you know time management for the relationship as well yeah. you know trying to find time to just be one-on-one -on -one with your partner whether it's just a talk or you know watch a movie or a show or you know just trying to find those moments of and just think, the two of us. And I think the main thing was if what works for us, I'm not saying it works for anybody else, is that if we ever have a disagreement or an argument, it's never us against each other. It's us against the problem. And Correct. we need to find the solution. It's all about a unified front, always. That's a partnership. But ultimately, it's stepping away from what our parents did and you know eradicating what toxic masculinity is as well 
like we're still trying to like even decolonize our minds from that as well yeah and that's a good point about you know decolonizing our minds and you know you know, one thing i did want to just kind of vent about a little bit too is the gender roles that have been perpetuated through our society in terms of the role of men in the household and oh it's strictly to be you know provider you know hunter gatherer type of shit and i'm like look for a certain period of time perhaps that was the case um you know going back to our ancestors and you know perhaps that was the way that you know based on physical traits and whatever it might have been at the time for survival that's what maybe had to happen um but to still apply that same reasoning in the year 2021 going on 2022 where we still see it where we have people that we know in our mm-hmm. own family close to us who the men don't cook the men don't clean the men don't touch laundry um the men don't help with the kids. They don't get up when they have a newborn crying to help their wife, whether it's the warm up bottle of milk or, you know, change a diaper. And I sit here and I say to myself, you fucking pussies. <laughs> because for me, a strong man mm. tries to do everything he can for his family and for his spouse. That to me was the one thing that I didn't want to perpetuate and not that my father was, you know, never lifted a finger to do anything. However, because my mom kind of catered to him and did everything for him. Now, when they're older and retired in their seventies, my father is almost, he's a bit um, inept when it comes to, basic things to do and chores. Um, and it's, I was like, damn, like, I really hope I never become like that. And I tell Sheena, if I ever turn into that guy, slap me in the fucking face really hard. (laughs) But I don't, I don't like seeing. Well, keep in mind though, like, again, we go back to the cycles. Your mom did that for him. Your mom does it for him. Mm -hmm. But from what your mom tells us, his mom did it for him too yeah my grandmother she did it for all her kids like baby all the boys and he comes from a family of uh eight eight siblings and only one woman so then all of that all of that responsibility fell on that sister i guarantee you yeah i mean my aunt uh she i mean even to this day i mean you know she she cooks, cleans, you know, still like, you know, but I, but I think, I think, you know, me growing up, I kind of like always wanted to kind of be like more helpful mm-hmm. around the house. And, you know, I felt hey, like I'm adding another skill, like, you know, going back to like, like, you know, my nerd kind of like gaming brain, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm increasing my skill set in, in one area. Like I'm adding like XP to it. You know what I mean? I said, yeah, I mean, you know, when I see, you know, look, I, and the social media aspect is another like your episode conversation as to what it's kind of done to... i definitely have like questions like what do you think about this whole like alpha male beta male 
fucking debate going on. It's literally what it is, is dick measuring. For real. Like, because when you look at it, men, and again, speaking as a man, there are no cookie cutters for, well, you should be doing this, you're alpha, you do this, you're beta. To me, it's every situation requires a different level of male, whether it's aggression Mm. or pacifism Mm. and knowing when to take the high road or the low road and knowing knowing more importantly, which we had a situation actually um, uh, yesterday um, where I let my male brain Mm. full of testosterone and anger (laughs) really ruin a situation regarding MJ school and his teacher potentially because uh, uh, happened Friday. We don't know until Monday, whether or not, well, you know, but, 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 but yeah. my point is, you know, if I was thinking in my lizard brain, I'm an alpha male, I got to establish dominance. I want to go to the school Monday, pull out my dick and piss on the principal's desk that, that, <laughs> because again, and I see it on social media sometimes when I do go on social media these days anymore, I see this movement and a lot of it was perpetuated by, um, and again, and again, diving into politics a little bit here, a lot of the conservative male energy that I saw from 2016 to 2020 with, with, uh, you know, certain people in office, I'll just say there was this kind of like rage that I saw a lot of men thinking that this is how it's supposed to be. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, when in our history as civilizations has that ever brought anything peaceful or good to countries or to us as a society where it was screw everybody else, be the alpha, destroy everything, you own everything. And I think that mentality... Well, that's a capitalist mentality that comes into play. It's that. It also just goes back to well, oh, you can't let this man cross you. And it's like, bro, no one's crossing anybody. I mean, like every situation has to be looked at Mm. rationally. You have to take a step back, take a breath, take a minute and assess the situation. Mm. Now, if it's a matter of life and death where someone is threatening you or your family and you decide to just hide and cower, you know, fine. We can have the conversation of, is that alpha or beta? I just think it's, did he assess the situation and think, I'm either going to get myself killed or my family killed because I am trying to be the alpha and be brave, or I'm not thinking smart about how to approach a situation. Mm. And I think this mentality as far as, well, the man should be doing this, I'm not doing this, that that that, that really has no place anymore. I mean, you know, you, you, you I bring up a good point all the time about how, you know, gender roles being um, kind of segmented where men shouldn't be doing certain things in the household, or at least they think they shouldn't be doing certain things in the household, but that's a woman's job. You know, you know how many times I read comment sections on any like sports, like post on Facebook when it's a woman excelling in some sport or women who does something that a man cannot do in a sport. Oh, well, can she make me a sandwich in the kitchen? And I'm sitting here like, you neckbeard motherfucker. You're just sitting there 
turning this, this woman into an object again. Oh, well, she belongs in the kitchen. Did you make me a sandwich? Like this, this type of rationale and thinking still exists mm-hmm. in this day and age. Well, like I said, that this is where we go back to what we're portraying to our kids and what we're instilling in our kids. Correct. Because all those things are learned behaviors that the kids now see, oh, well, my daddy doesn't do that. Or or, I heard my daddy talk like this, so it must be the right way to go about things. And, like, we have this conversation with MJ all the time. You know, you know, we always said we're always going. Right now, as of MJ, for the past, like, two to three years, he's stuck on the kitchen. Yeah, he loves cooking. Loves cooking. And And we encourage it. We encourage it. Yeah. And we've had family members make stupid comments like, boys don't belong in the kitchen. Meanwhile, some of the top chefs in the world mm-hmm. are men. Mm-hmm. We all watch Gordon Ramsay yell and cuss at people. Mm-hmm. We don't say shit about, oh, well, he's a man in the kitchen. Like, what is that? Right. He cooks for his family. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a joy in that. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't think that we should. Look at the... There was a show on Netflix that um, I had found. There was an anime show called The Way of the House Husband. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, it's uh, based on a manga in Japan. And they made a show on Netflix called it. And I, and uh, they made like a little, uh, like live version. I thought it was hilarious. Of this guy just like doing chores, cleaning, but he's, he's so meticulous and he's very detailed. And he's what, part of the Yakuza? Yeah, right. Right. The story is he's an ex- He's an ex-Yakuza who... But he was like known as like the Dark Demon or something like that? The Immortal Dragon that or something yeah. like that. But it... But Homie he, has like a dark background. Yeah. Fell in love. Correct. Yeah. With, with the woman of his dreams. Yeah. And she's now a lawyer. Yeah, she's a lawyer and he's a house husband. Right. And like... And and to have... For, from Japan where, again, they still have their own system mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, women's... And again, that's a... You know, again, that's their cultural norm. But it's great to see a male create a show mm. to create an anime that, you know, why can't the roles be reversed? But if you actually, like, look at the epi- like the show, mm-hmm. it shows me and you some freaking great, awesome, like, cleaning skills yeah, with... that we've never, ever thought of. Like, fucking <laughs> the way baking soda cleans certain things. Baking soda. Or the way to, like... White powder, as he calls it. Right, white powder. <laughs> and how to, like, properly clean a mirror in a bathroom for it to never fog up. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I think that there can be harmony between what women bring to the table and what men can bring well, to the table right. when they're tackling roles in a household. And I think it should be fluid. I don't, I don't think there should be this, well, you can only do this because you're a woman and I don't want you to do this because you're a man. I, I think that shortchanges both parties, both spouses I think it's, in a relationship. Yeah. I think it's just important to also state that we, coming from a single parent household, um, I definitely lacked a male presence in my life so i can definitely fucking speak on this and not having that male presence in my life has not allowed me to flourish in in other areas um 
we both need it like we both need women and men we need we need both those energies mm -hmm. in order to create a greater goal yeah synergy as they like to use in corporate america and what i think what we want to like i want to start breaking away from is yes i think i'm fucking amazing you are <laughs> but i wouldn't be able to reach my full potential if i didn't have your support oh so i need your energy to match mine i need you as well yeah to raise these kids and like bring balance yeah. to my life it's a partnership it's right? a partnership in and i think that's what we change and i want to start changing the narrative is like we both need each other yeah. and i realize that now because i came from a single parent household not having that father figure or that male presence in my life is was very detrimental so either way we both need each other for us to reach a greater goal I agree. And I think that's one of the topics that I, you know, again, this topic being one that we wanted to talk about for, for a while. Um, because, you know, like you said, you know, we still have people in our lives and other, you know, whether it's family or friends and couples that, you know, we kind of see that there's a, um, kind of a, a, a like segregation of a uh, power and duty inside mm. of the relationship. And look, for some people, they just eat it, they accept it, and they move on. And that's how their mom was raised or their dad was raised. And, you know, it just perpetuates itself. Yeah, I refuse to live like that. Yeah. And again, that's our choice to do that. I don't, uh, you know, at the same time, we're not going to shame anyone if they choose to continue doing that. I just think that, you know, looking at things from a different perspective and a different glass is important. Um, seeing the other side of it. Um, so when you do come across couples like ourselves, you know, who... Mm we share in everything um that it's not a stigma that you don't feel oh well that's odd no how about that's good how about we we change the narrative to say that's awesome yeah but we're also going to respect your decision to not adopt that what model we, right what we do correct and that's totally fine i mean again uh, you know we we do love the idea of just you know sharing this with everyone and you know, showing that it can be done, yeah. you know, it's not impossible. And I think it's, there's, a, there's so many great. things unconventional about our relationship and marriage. And you know what? I honestly love it and I wouldn't want to change anything about it. Yeah. I agree. But so, it, is, it is a mutually, um, it is a mutually beneficial <laughs> arrangement as, 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 um, as your nephew has, has said to us when he was like looking at our dynamics and what, what did he say? What did he ask that one time that we were like working? What was my superpower? Right. <laughs> and well, I, I, I told him, I said, I said, you can't ask me that. Like you have to ask like Harry. And what was your response? I said, well, I'm the hammer, but Sheena is the scalpel. Hmm. and 
our powers combined. You know, let that sound cheesy, but that is what a team is. Um, there are times when, you know, something needs that brute force. There are mm. times though when it needs a surgical kind of assassin's precision, which a is finesse. right. The finesse of it, which is where you excel at and you exceed at. And, you know, we play to each other's strengths and yeah. like, you know, no matter the situation, whether it's a social thing or something with our kids or with work, um, or with your business, you know, we find ways to tackle projects together. But we consult with everything with each other. Correct. Yeah. There's no unilateral decisions that are made often at all. Um, Unless it's like life or death or like instantaneous. Of course. Right. I mean, or or something as trivial as, you know, like I'm going shopping, like what do we need? Or, yeah. oh, hey, like which bread should I get? You know, look, just make a decision. And again, like you're like, well, you know, we're I think. Right. Like I said, we already know. But like yeah. in regards to like big things, like we consult with each other in regards to anything. And yeah. Very important to have communication, which I think any that anyone was, will tell that's, you. <laughs> that's big between us too. That is huge. Yeah, and again, there's no excuse for not communicating. It's a phone call, a text away. And even FaceTime, when you don't whatever. communicate, I'm like, nah, bro. The energy's off in the house. Mm-hmm. That too. Yeah, and and that comes with time and experience with your yeah. partner. You know, you just learn to read keys and. Kind of, you know, mannerisms mannerisms and things that are said and facial expressions mm-hmm. and, you, you know. just pick up yeah and i think you know it's kind of like mind reading and it's a great level to reach in a relationship uh but it does take time that's for sure it takes time and work yeah yeah Thanks so much for listening to the Breaking Apart podcast. Thank you so much. Let us know what's unconventional within your relationship slash marriage. How long have you guys been together? What works for you? What doesn't work for you? What uh, cycles are you breaking? Let us know. We'd love to hear it. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great night. Thank you.